Thank you for listening to this week's message from New Day Community Church in Vandalia. We hope this message encourages and blesses you. Look us up and contact us at newdaycommunity.org. Awesome. Good morning. How are you guys doing today? It's so great to, to be here with you again. And I threw the graphics team a bit of a curveball this morning. We're going to try to play a video off of the YouTube. Let's see if that actually works. The YouTubes. It's a new, new technology. So, yeah, and so I just thought that was an interesting video, right, in, in our day, right, uh, in, in 2010 and in 2016, there's a lot of questions about, you know, who exactly is Jesus? And I remember when I was working at Fox Brothers, there was this guy who sat next to me, and we would periodically have interesting discussions about faith or about Christianity and one, one time we were, we were talking about that, and he, uh, he was just like, I don't, even, I don't even believe Jesus was an actual historical figure. He wasn't even a real person. He's just made up, like we, like we saw in that video. And of course, if you don't think that, that Jesus actually existed, that is probably going to affect, you know, how you see Jesus. Makes sense, right? And so if he doesn't exist, he certainly can't be the Son of God certainly can't be the supreme king of kings. And in Colossae, there was also, you know, some misunderstandings or maybe some, some wrong teachings about who Jesus was. And so Paul, uh, responding to some of these questions, he doesn't want the Colossians to have any question about who Jesus is, right? And he wants to be very, very clear that Jesus is not just a man. Jesus is not just a good teacher not just a moral example. Uh, he's not just another guy who died on a cross, who was killed by the, the Romans. But Paul wants to communicate very, very clearly that Jesus is God, that Jesus is eternal, that Jesus is the creator. He is the Lord. He is the, the king of all creation. And really, as we dive into uh, this passage of Scripture today uh, in Colossians 15, uh, 1, 15 to 23, uh, it's really going to be foundational for everything that comes after this. The, the rest of the, the letter really builds on this understanding of who Jesus is. And so we have a lot to cover. I don't know if I've ever started a sermon with saying, like, you know what, we don't have much going on today, so we're just going to take our time. I should, <laughs> we should probably go that direction once in a while. Anywho, so today, that's not today. We're going to read Paul's uh, explanation of who Jesus is. Um, we're going to read it first out of the ESV. Um, I have a thing. Do we have a thing? Sorry, friend. Well, well, we'll work on that. So, Colossians 1, 15 to 23. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell." And through him 
to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If, indeed, you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. And so... All right, here we have Paul's explanation of Jesus. And one of the things we wanted to do uh, as we go through this teaching or this book exegetically, meaning as we go through this teaching verse by verse or through this letter verse by verse, we want to kind of give uh, some ideas of how we can study the the books of the Bible at home. And so I just wanted to kind of look at how I began kind of taking this verse uh, section of scripture apart and trying to find out what Paul was saying. And so what I do is I'll just pull it up on Bible Gateway or, or something and I'll print out my passage. Well, first, read, I'll read, Colossians is pretty small, like four chapters, right? And so it's pretty easy to read the whole thing. Then I'll print out my section and I'll get a pen or a colored pencil or a marker or something. I'll just go through and look for repeated words, right? I think, you know, what is Paul talking about in and so in this scripture, we see all these pronouns about Jesus over and over again. And in these six verses, there are 12 uh, pronouns, he or, or him, that are used referring to Jesus, the Son of God. And so Paul is, is clearly, his main emphasis is on communicating who Jesus is. All right? And then these two other words stood out to me. We see firstborn is repeated in verse 15 and verse 18. It's hard to see. Um, and so that kind of made me go, oh, that's interesting. And what, what I found as I'm, I'm looking through here is that this section that's all about Jesus is actually broken into two main sections, right? He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. And so the first few verses are about the supremacy of Jesus over creation, that he was the one who spoke all things into being. And then as we go on, we see that he's also the firstborn from the dead. He's the head of the body, the church. And so the second section seems to be pointing towards Jesus's supremacy as the head of the body, the head of the church. And so these are the, the first two sections that we see. And then they're all about Jesus. In verse 21, the subject changes and no longer is it he is, he is, in him, all that, right? It, Paul changes, says, and you. So now he's changing the, the direction, right? Now he's talking to the Colossians about themselves and their relationship to Jesus, All right? And so following kind of Paul's train of thought is important as we teach through exegetically. And so we see these three pillars of this passage. These are the three things that we want to take away and that all that we look at today is going to be building towards these three ideas. Number one, that Jesus is supreme, that he is firstborn, that he is preeminent in all of creation. Number two, Jesus is supreme in the church. He is the head of the church. He is the focus. We are connected to Jesus because we are part of the church. And number three, it is because of who Jesus is, supremely God, fully man, that he reconciles us to God the Father. 
All right, and so these are going to be our three uh, main sections. These are going to be our takeaways for the church. And so this is the thing that I want you to walk away from this teaching today, is knowing that Jesus is supreme in creation. Jesus is supreme in the church. And through Jesus, we are reconciled to God the Father. All right, so now we're going to, to dive in, starting in verse 15, to look at how Paul kind of explains and builds on this idea that Jesus is supreme in creation. Uh, and so now we're switching from the ESV over to the NIV. So, bear with. The Son is the image of the invisible God. And so Paul starts out really strongly here, saying that, you know, in coming against this, I, any idea that Jesus is less than fully God. Right? Jesus, the Son of God, is the image of the invisible God. Right? And we may remember from the creation stories that humanity was made in the image of God. Right? That we are uh, uh, creations, I guess, cre creatures that reflect the image of God. Right? But Jesus is more than that. He is not just another image bearer of God, but he is the archetype. Right? He is the one to which we reflect. Does that make sense? He is the, the one. He is God. And so what Paul is saying here is Jesus isn't just another creation who is reflecting the image of God. He actually is God. He is the image of the invisible God. And in John chapter 1, it says that no one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. And Jesus later on in, in that gospel talking to Philip says, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Right? And so through Jesus, we get to know exactly what the Father is like. Right? So often it's easy to attribute to the Father as this kind of far-off disciplinarian that he's angry and that, that Jesus right, is this moderator that kind of calms him down and kind of lets us into the family. Right? But in reality, you know, God the Father is just like Jesus. He is just as loving and caring and compassionate and humble and self-sacrificing and passionate for his creation, passionate about restoring his creation back to its rightful place. And so because we know who Jesus is, we no longer have to wonder who, who is God, right? He has been revealed to us in the person of Jesus, who is the image of the invisible God. And Jesus is also, Paul continues, the firstborn over all creation. And now this uh, doesn't mean that Jesus was created. Uh, there is a, a guy named Arius, who actually used this verse to claim that Jesus was not equal here. He was not of one essence with God. And it's, it's unfortunate that what Paul intended to show that the supremacy of Christ that was trying to reveal the deity or the divinity uh, of Jesus was actually used to deny that divinity. And so when Paul says that Jesus was the firstborn over all creation, he's not referring to, he is not referring just to the idea that Jesus existed before everything else, which of course he did. He existed eternally before all of creation. But the idea is that Jesus is first in rank, right? This is not necessarily talking about chronological, but, uh, but talking about Jesus is first in rank. And in the 
ancient Near East, uh, the, the firstborn would have more rights in authority than the other sons. And in the Jewish culture, the, the firstborn would receive a double portion of the inheritance, and they would inherit the father's role as the head of the family. And so what Paul is saying here is that Jesus is firstborn in that he is preeminent, that he is supreme, and that he carries all the rights and authorities of his position as creator. And so then Paul continues uh, to reveal Jesus' supremacy over creation in this next amazing verse. It says, For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. And so here, again, we see that Jesus is the unique agent of creation. Right? And in, in Bible times, the, the creation stories would have defined and, and solidified roles and power relationships. Right? The, the creator uh, in any creation story is the, the supreme being to whom all the creatures are supposed to submit. And so in this, uh, in this verse, we have the same thing. It is Jesus who is the creator. He's not just a man. Right? He's not just another guy who died on the cross. He is the cosmic Lord who spoke all things into creation. And Jesus is the creator of everything. All things. Right? Things in heaven and on earth. Everything that you can see. Everything that you can't see. Right? All the atoms and, and molecules and the small things. <laughs> all the little things. And all the big things, right? Jesus created everything that we can see and everything that we can't see, right? He created even the, the spiritual powers, and that's what Paul is talking about here, the thrones or powers or rulers of authority. Like, Jesus created everything, right? There's no reason if there was a, a Colossian heresy where people were worshiping angels or, or other spiritual ideas, Paul is saying all of those things, all the other things that you may... Uh, put as center in your life, as you may put as the focus, right? Those things are all in subordination to Jesus. And the correct response as a, crea as a creation is to submit yourself to the creator. And Jesus is that creator. And this again places him in that preeminent role, the supreme power. The, the only right response is for people to be in submission to this amazing Lord Jesus. And Paul doesn't stop there, right? He is before all things, continuing to, to, to hammer home that he is pre-existent, that he is eternal, right? And in him, all things are held together. There is this belief system called deism that kind of sees God as this cosmic watchmaker that just created everything and let it go, or wound up the watch, so to speak, and then just is just kind of watching to see what happens, right? And when we believe in that or even kind of have some deistic thoughts in our minds, you know, it, it, uh, it makes God far away, right? It makes him, he doesn't want to communicate to us. We can't communicate to him. He's, he's far off there. He's distant. He's unapproachable. But Paul says that's not how Jesus is, right? He didn't just create everything and let it go to see what would happen. But Jesus is intimately involved. He is close. He is actively holding everything together. He is sustaining 
all things. He's right there. He's close and he's intimate. He's not far off from us. He is the amazing creator. So he's transcendent beyond all things, right? And yet he is intimate. And so that leads us into the second idea. Not only is Jesus supreme in all creation, right? But Jesus is supreme in the church. Paul says that Jesus is the head of the body, the church. And this, the, the head of the body kind of carries these ideas of the chief or the, the origin, right? And he is the head, the, the center, the focus of the church. And so the church is not just a, this is a quote, I'm going to read this quote. Church is not merely a society, but is, desi- but is defined in terms of its organic communion with Christ. Let me try that again. Church is not merely a society, but is defined in terms of its organic communion with Christ. And so Paul is talking to the, the Colossian believers, and he said that, you know, Epaphras came and he, he taught you the gospel, and when you believed, when you put your faith in Jesus, you were brought from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of God's Son, the Son of God's love. Right? You were lost in your sin, in the corruption, and you were transferred into the kingdom of God. You were brought into the church. You became part of the body of Christ. Right? And so this is not just uh, you know, another organization that you can be part of, but this is a gathering. This is an assembly of, of people, and when you're in the church, you are actually connected in some supernatural way with Jesus Christ, the cosmic creator of all things. You are connected to him because you are part of the body, and he is the head of the body. And Paul says that Jesus is the head. He's not a head, right? It is Christ and Christ alone who stands in the position of authority over the church. The church is an organization, is a group of people, is an assembly of people whose focus and center is Jesus. And anything that would distract us, anything that would take away from Jesus' supreme authority as the center, as the, the head, as the origin, as the chief of the church, is inappropriate. And since Christ is the head of the church, we as Christ followers, as in Christ, we are part of his body, we can rest assured right, that he is going to protect us. And we can know that it is uh, upon Christ that we are dependent. We know that he is for us and that he is with us. And Jesus is the beginning, the firstborn from among the dead, so that in all things he may become supreme. And so, what is Jesus the beginning of? And we see that Paul is looking at Christ's humanity here in this section. We see that he's looking at the, the redemptive purposes of God. And the beginning, again, conjures up these pictures of creation. You may remember from the beginning of Genesis, in the beginning, God created. Right? And so just as Christ in the beginning of everything created all things, seen and unseen, he created the original or this first creation. Now Christ is the beginning through his uh, incarnation, through his death and his resurrection. He is the beginning of the new or the second creation. And the resurrection is implied by Paul in that, that phrase, from the dead. 
And the, the resurrection is the, the central theme of Paul's gospel proclamation. And his resurrection, he is the firstborn from the dead. And again, he's, Paul's not talking about this temporal or a chronological idea of Jesus' resurrection being before everyone else's, though it was. But ultimately, uh, Paul is talking about his status, Jesus' status as the one who brings about this new era. Right? Jesus has instigated something radically new through his resurrection. Right? He's instigated a new covenant in his blood, a new people of God, a new season of resurrection life for his followers. And a, a new people who have a hope in, in the kingdom of God, who have a hope in their own resurrection because Jesus has paved the way with his own resurrection. He has broken the power of sin and death. And so we can rest assured that as we put our faith in Jesus, that just as Jesus was raised from the dead, we will be as well. And that is good news. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. Right? Again, Paul is kind of hammering this home that Jesus is not in any way subordinate to the Father. Right? In Jesus, all the fullness of the deity dwells. All the fullness of God resides in, lives in, is inside of Jesus. Jesus is fully God. But Paul here is talking about the incarnation. And so in the person of Jesus, this physical man, this fully, uh, this completely human physical person, right, in fully man dwelt fully God. You know? It's, uh, so my... Uh, one of my professors at school says this isn't irrational, it's supra-rational. It's beyond our rationality. It's not, it's not irrational to say that Jesus was 100% God and 100% man. It's just beyond our comprehension. It's supra-rational. Supra. That's a good one. Uh, so, in this terminology, uh, so Paul here is saying that all the fullness of God dwelt in Jesus points to the reality of the incarnation. That Jesus was this spiritual reality in heaven. He was incarnate. He came to earth as a man. But he did not lay aside, right? He did not cease being divine, right? All the fullness of God dwelt inside of Jesus. And he chose to humbly come to earth as a man, to, to bear the penalty of our sin, to make a way for humanity to be saved. And he could do that because he was fully God and fully man. And through him, through Jesus, to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood on the cross. And it was through the incarnate Christ that God was able to reconcile all things to himself. And reconciliation uh, simply means to restore friendly relations. Right? That is what Jesus did. He restored friendly relations between us and God. Because we, or all of humanity, was in rebellion against God. We were his enemies. We were shaking our fists in defiance against him. Right? And even while we were in that posture, shaking our fists, saying, we don't want anything to do with you, 
God was willing to send Jesus, his son, to earth as a man to do what you and I, what all of humanity could not do. To bring a restoration to this relationship between us and the Father. Because of the fall, right, the, the corruption of this first creation, humanity was far from God. There was no way for us to get back to the Father. We were dead in our offensiveness and in our sin, deserving of hell. And yet, because of God's amazing love for creation, his desire that no person, no, none of his creation would perish, right? He sent Jesus to make peace between us and the Father through dying in our place, bearing the punishment that each one of us deserved, and restoring us to friendly relations with God. And that leads us into our third section, right? Jesus is supreme in creation. He spoke all things and sustains all things. Jesus is supreme in the church. He is the firstborn from the dead. He is the center. He is the focus. He is the chief. He is the sustainer uh, of the church. And it's through his uh, death and resurrection that we can have hope in our own resurrection And it says, Paul says here that once you were alienated from God. And you were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. And so this is verse 21. This is where the subject switches right from Jesus. Jesus is supreme. Jesus is amazing to us. What is our relationship to this reconciling God? And we as I said a moment ago, right, is we were far from God. We were lost in the dominion of darkness. We saw that. Uh, Cameron talked about that in, in his section last week in verse 12. We were lost. We were dead in the dominion of darkness, dead in these sins because of the fall, unable to overcome the, the power of sin. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body, through death, to present you holy in his sight, without blemish, and free from accusation. And so, here we, we see the, the word reconciled again. Jesus, it was in verse 20, the, the head of the church uh, chose to lay his life down to reconcile us, to make, uh, bring us back to friendly relationships with the Father. That was Jesus' mission, right? And now, if we put our faith in Jesus... And we can be reconciled by Christ's physical body. Right? Again, Paul is denying any wrong belief that Jesus was uh, merely spiritual or that he wasn't fully human. Jesus had a complete physical body. He had flesh and blood and emotions and feelings, and he endured the pain and the shame and the torture and the abandonment of the cross when God laid the sin of all the world on his shoulders. On the cross, he reconciled us to the Father, and he accomplished what you and I and all of humanity could never do. And in that, taking on our sin, taking on our dirtiness, he set us free. Right? And we are now, because of the blood of Jesus, without blemish and free from accusation. We're brought back into right relationship with God the Father. And finally, Paul says, you're free from accusation if you continue in your faith. 
established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out for you in the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. And so Paul calls the Colossian believers to be faithful, to stand firm in this gospel that they heard from Epaphras, this gospel that is bearing fruit in them and is bearing fruit around the world. He says, hold firm, stand firm, right? Things aren't always going to be easy. You need to hold on to this hope. And this gospel, this uh, is bearing witness of Jesus' resurrection to the world. This is what Paul has become a servant of. This is his, his life purpose. And, and Cameron is going to look at that uh, more in depth next week when we look at Paul's labor from the church. But, but Paul is encouraging the Colossians, he's encouraging you and I to stand firm in this belief that Jesus is the supreme creator of all. That Jesus is the head of the church. Jesus is the one by whom you have been reconciled to God the Father. And that is who Jesus is. He is the supreme creator, the sustainer, the head of the church, the firstborn from among the dead. And like we saw in that, that video right? That there's these misconceptions about who Jesus is, but he is not just a moral teacher. He's not just a guide. He's not just a person. He's not even a a fictional character that that represents a, a greater universal truth, right? But he is the king of kings. Jesus is the Lord of lords, and he is currently seated at the right hand of God the Father. And it is him who has made a way for you and I to be reconciled to be brought to peace with God the Father. And so if you are here today and you've never made a commitment to follow Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I would encourage you to make that decision today. Jesus came and he died for you. He bore the penalty for your sins while you were still his enemy. And you don't need to clean up your act. You don't need to get things uh, right, right? You don't have to, you know, do something to receive this gift of eternal life. You can do it right now. You can do it just as you are. Right? And if, if you've been saved for, for a long time, you've been following Jesus, this is just such a, a good reminder because, as Krista said, you know, we can get that, that do on our mind. We can get distracted about the reality of who Jesus is. And this passage is such a good reminder that that Jesus is not just a guy. He's not just a moral example, but he is the supreme creator of all things. And this supreme creator of all things loves me. He cares about me. He loved me so much. He loved you so much that he was willing to die on the cross for you. Wow, that is amazing. And so if you just stand with me as we close, we're just going to close in prayer. Father God, we love you. Jesus, we thank you that you are the supreme creator. God, that you are the head of the church and that you chose each one of us to be your sons and daughters, to be brought into relationship with God the Father. And if you have never made that decision to follow Jesus as your Lord and Savior, would you Pray with me today.
Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe that you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn from my sins and invite you to come into my heart and into my life. I choose to trust and to follow you as my Lord and Savior. In your name, amen. Amen. And if you prayed that prayer this morning, we welcome you to the family of God. I encourage you after service to come and talk to me or talk to somebody on, on the prayer team. We would love to pray with you and give you some, some tools uh, to continue on this amazing journey of following Jesus.